The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 439. It is a preseason roundtable here on the podcast with our friends Keely Yor and Kenneth Martin. We are going to talk about the Trojans going into the 2022 season and it's going to be a great time. They are our buddies, and we haven't had a roundtable in a while, so we're super excited about it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, anywhere you can find a podcast. We are there. Our email address, Reign of Troy at fansite.com, and our phone number, 213-373-1-USC-SECOWITZ-BRUNCHO. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, Joe with my co-host. Here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. We are back with our friends. Uh, long time no see. The the dean of the Traveler Hates Thursdays podcast, the former Traveler Hates Thursdays, which needs to be revived. Uh, Kenneth Martin, welcome to the show, Kenny. Thank you. It feels so good to be back. Yeah, it's been... It's been a while since I've podcasted, but I'm excited to get back into it. And I think, you know, as long as things go well, as long as I don't flub any of my lens, lines. Okay. Um, Stick to the script. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Or, you know, I'll, I'll first game jitters. <laughs> there you go. And uh, next up, uh, the, the wonderful, um, let me get this right, director of content and team creative reporter content creative <laughs> content <laughs> and team reporter from usc athletics keely or hello hello it's really weird to one be introduced that way and two just to be podcasting with like fellow people <laughs> i don't know how to describe <laughs> that just because my podcast at the moment is just interviews so like this is i feel yeah. like someone who's been trapped underground for like a year and like has been brought up to the podcasting world i'm i'm a little rusty guys i just gotta say i mean we might not be as interesting as kyle mcdonald but i hope we can be a close second no you guys are interesting i was doing the intro like i was mouthing the intro while you were doing it i love this show let's i'm excited i mean that was the best part of the intro was hearing (laughs) keely go along with it and we're doing like our one usc thing and she's like got all these hand movements and stuff like (laughs) if ever we should have been doing a a video podcast this is the one (laughs) yeah you guys are missing out on kenny wearing his asu stuff uh, ASU, ASU 
uh, jersey and cap and Keeley wearing her um, Black Angels jersey. I'm guessing that's because the season is over. No, are you kidding me? We're mourning that. Uh, no, I'm not mourning at all. If Artie Marino sells the team, I will be the happiest person. <laughs> Biggest win of the season by far. All right. Well, speaking of changes, like that would be a huge change. Uh, it has been a huge change for SC this offseason. A new head coach, Lincoln Riley, is the new head coach of the Trojans. Been that way for, what, nine months now? That's crazy to think about. There's babies in this world who were conceived in the Lincoln Riley era. That's <laughs> wild. Uh, but but here we are. Um, we, we mentioned we didn't do one of these last year. Uh, so I went back to our rundown, and there's questions in here from two years ago talking about COVID, including, quote, we ask this every year, but will 2020 be a referendum on Clay Helton? I don't think <laughs> we're going to talk about that in this episode. Wait, okay, that's one. We got one. I was Before we started recording, there was a question recently to Raina Troy, a listener who said they were going to make a drinking game for every time Helton was brought up. Yep. And I would like to help that listener have a wild night. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we've got a couple we're of Clay one, Helton references uh, here. Oh, two. Three. Okay. We can pigeonhole some more Clay Helton references if Four. if we really needed to. Like we love a challenge, so we can put a counter, right. you know, down at the bottom for the a rest little, of the season. Little bell, little yeah. bell, little chime. Ding. Yeah. There we go. Uh, let, let's just get straight into it, Kenny. This this is going to be a hell of a season for for SC in twenty twenty two, just because it's so different. Where does this season rank among among like anticipated seasons in all your years of watching the Trojans? Yeah, I mean, for well, just surface level, it's really nice for me to finally be out from under the, frankly, abusive contract that I was with, with THT Inc. Um, they were garnishing most of my wages. It was mostly going to Simon, who, I, I don't know if you still are believing the kid thing he's been saying. He doesn't have children. He has a massive gambling problem. We try he, to get him help. He wouldn't come on this podcast tonight. He's no, he wouldn't come on. Uh, where do you think he is? He's at Morongo. So... <laughs> I'll I'll have to pick him up there later on because I still look out for my I still look out for former co-hosts even if I will they will never see a cent from me again. <laughs> but no, I for real. This is the most excited I've been since I can vividly remember 2017. Going into the 2017 season, I was super excited. Um, think a lot of people were. It was right off the heels of a Rose Bowl win. Uh, Sam Darnold was back. Uh, he was on an SI cover in the off season. He had a podcast. Uh, there was a lot of hype. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of hype going into that season. And um, even if the season didn't fully play out how people wanted, that's the last season I remember the full season enjoying still and anticipating the season. And I feel like ever since that hasn't as much been the case. But I'm... I feel at least as excited as I did then again. That, that was an interesting season, though, because that, that was the one where I feel like people were already kind of frustrated with the Clay Helton era, even though SC won the Pac-12 in 2017. And yet it was like an exciting and frustrating year at the same time because they weren't as good as that 2016 team. Uh, Alicia, for you, does this go back to like the Pete Carroll era of hype? Or is this... A completely different thing. How, how do you how do you judge this? Um, hmm. I I I I don't know if I'd go back as far as the Beat Carroll era. Although it it might be because it's the closest thing that we've had at USC for a while in, in sense of 
everybody is behind the head coach. Like, I don't think there's anybody who's skeptical of the head coach, Where which was the phenomenon around Pete Carroll is that at least everybody was like behind Pete. Where, you know, I Kiffin, everyone was excited, but there was still skepticism. I guess 2012 is the closest that I would come. Because I was going to say, 2012, it felt like Kiffin had a, most in his corner. Yes, yeah, because there was there were actual reasons to think that that team would be special. Number and, preseason number one? Yeah, and like it wasn't like a, that's a crazy vote. Like it, it was actually legitimately on paper or something that you could talk about even though it all went to hell. But like going into that season, it felt like something big. So I would go back to that offseason in terms of like what this team could do. Although, I mean, I'm certainly going into this season way more like calm, calm your bridges, guys. Like there's going to be some growing pains and everything like that. But we've been burned. We've been burned. But we've been burned. Yeah. But like I, I think the difference is that season was excitement because of like what the team could accomplish, whereas this season is excitement because it's not going to be a shit show anymore. And like, just that is uh, like a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It, you would hope, right? Right. Like the, the changes that SC made after last season are the ones that we all said were the right ones to make. Um, now it's just going to be a matter of actually carrying through with that. Keely, obviously a lot of anticipation. I just want to go to the next question to get to you, which is, Fall camp just concluded. Mock game week, the infamous mock game week. Uh, I know I, Curtis Moreno Valley is, sub- loves mock game week <laughs> over at, at your old uh, your old podcast. Every time I hear mock game week, I, I, I think of uh, of you referencing it on the Family Feud as well. Um, mm. Can you like summarize what happened in fall camp in like sixty seconds, ninety, fifty, let's say fifty five seconds? Good number. 55. Oh, okay. Well, I see what you did there. Um, No, I feel like that's really hard to do <laughs> straight off the bat. But I mean, it, it was a lot. It was competitive. Um, A lot of the players I talked to just had a lot of fun. They, it was kind of like this weird paradox where they were really working hard, but were sad when practice would have to end, you know? And I know that sounds really cliche, but like you could see it on the field. And then just also just like, kind of shocked like they're like I probably have seen Lincoln Riley in a USC something more than the average person and there are days when I'm like that is Lincoln Riley in a USC article of clothing it's just like it's still hard to wrap your brain around a little bit um and just like I'm I I hate this question sorry because I feel like I'm saying buzzwords so I apologize but I just feel like there's also been a revamp of accountability and that's something I, I actually wrote about uh, last year about how that was lacking under Clay Helton. And I do feel like they're the details matter now. And it, I feel like without details, you won't be a, a winning program. And I can tell that this coaching staff really does care about the details. So that has been really fascinating to see. Now the caveat is that I've never been this close to a football team before. So what I'm observing might be something I, I would have observed in years sure. prior if I had this yeah. role. But I will say, like, from what I've heard and like I, I did have like hear from people prior to having this job as well, like it, it does feel different for sure. Yeah. And you talk about accountability. I think accountability is a buzzword that I think gets put out there by every coaching staff and all, all that. But it's about actually being able to follow through on it, which was the questions about the Clay Helton there, right? Like 
So, like, Alicia, when you're looking at all this stuff and hearing things like that, like, how do you separate how to look forward to the season? Well, that was one of the, the questions that I had for Keely was, like, how happy are you to have gotten this role in one of the most excited, exciting times in, you know, the past decade for USC in terms of, like, there actually being massive changes. It's not a normal offseason. Like, players are getting used to new coaches. Coaches are getting used to new players. Like, the the energy around the program feels totally different. So, like, you're in a cool position to sort of be on the ground floor of that, right? It's fascinating. It really is. And it's it's kind of, it, like I said, it's twofold because not only have I not, I've never seen how the sausage is made, but I'm, I'm seeing how it's made in a revamp with 38 new players, a whole new coaching staff, people that are, are trying to understand what Southern California life is like and what the USC tra- traditions are. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, but again, it's funny because some people, you know, they come up to me and they're like, what's it like? What's it like at fall camp? And to a certain degree, like fall camp is just fall camp. <laughs> like they weren't reinventing the wheel too much in that sense. It wasn't like they were like, the balls were on fire or something, you know, it was just at, at a certain point it was fall camp. And, and there's a point where you're like, okay, this is the same defense going against the same offense. Like I'm going to have to hold off my observations until they actually play an opponent. Yeah. And that's, that. I mean that now to go back to the question that Michael asked, like that's one of my big things is, um, you know, I, I attended fall camp when Steve Sarkeesian was there. I, I went through, many iterations of the things that Clay Hilton was trying to do. And like, I went to Pete Carroll practices, practice is practice is practice. Like people want to talk about how like, Oh, practice, everybody practices different. And like, yes, that's true. But fall, like you said, like fall camp, there's not that much that you can do. The stuff that differentiates an Alabama from a USC is like what goes on in the building, what goes on in the film study, what goes on in the weight room and all that kind of stuff. So like the stuff that, you know, the the sort of basic media doesn't really see. But that's kind of why I'm going into this season thinking, well, how can I differentiate between the Lincoln Riley and the Clay Helton sort of preparation? The difference for me is just that Lincoln Riley has been an elite elite coach at some level on on two different levels at some point in his career where Clay Helton was never, again, we're going to say Clay Helton a million times, was never an elite offensive coordinator, never an elite quarterbacks coach, never only a head coach. So like, I feel perfectly comfortable coming into the season going, yeah, buy into Lincoln Riley because guess what? He earned buy-in like that that the previous head coach had never earned, which is why there was so much skepticism when he got hired. Lincoln Riley, like, that's a huge, huge hire with a great, great resume. Like, as far as I'm concerned, everyone should be on board. Everyone should just be full steam ahead, believe in Lincoln and what he's going to do. Yeah, and when you put all those things together and you – you know, Keely mentions seeing how the sausage is made, but also you have to wait to see what happens on the field in week one, September 3rd uh, against Rice, uh, and then September 10th against Stanford and so on. Kenny, for you, like, how do you try to evaluate anything in week one? Uh, like, what are your honest expectations for week one? Because so many changes, so many transfers in. So I mean transfers out. I don't know that there's going to be an answer, right? So like, how do you how do you go into week and, one? What, what's your mindset? And week one makes it even more difficult, right? Because of who the opponent is. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Which, which is what you want for USC. You want that opponent at first. Who I, I believe the last time I looked at the line, it was thirty four and a half. USC's favored. 
in that game. I mean, what, what's been the problem with all of these week one games recently against lesser opponents is that the games are way too close, um, which almost always was an omen of things to come uh, later in the season. I think what you're looking for is that this game should not be close. Uh, does that mean that the team is ready to go? Not necessarily. Sark had some great blowout wins early on, didn't always work out. Uh, same for Kiffin. But that's step one. You want right. you want to see this offense lighted up against Rice. And does that tell you anything? Maybe almost nothing, but it tells you that uh, that they're at least doing... They did the first thing right. right. Well, it's, and it's different from Hilton. It's, I mean, and it's, it's different. different. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you guys mentioned this because that, I feel like, is the general consensus I've gotten from USC fans where it's like, that first game, if it's one of those, it's lingering into the fourth quarter or you really have to turn on the afterburners to, like, get this game in a comfortable position, then it's like, that's a, a red flag in that sense. And so... You know, it, that's been fascinating to watch, too, is just how competitive certain players are on this team. And obviously the coaching staff is super competitive. And it's just it's really interesting to see how sometimes it, for certain players, it looks like it's just in their DNA, which and, and I know that sounds super cheesy, but it's it's a different type of drive that I don't think we've seen, at least on Howard Jones Field in a really long time. And it's just been interesting to see those flashes of like, Oh, these people want to win. Like they are going to win. <laughs> That's my favorite bit of uh, of sort of observation from practice this fall is is that kind of thing where there's personalities on this team. I remember a couple yes. years ago talking in the preseason, coming out of Pac-12 Media Days, and going like, "Who's the personality on this team? Like, who's the guy?" And you couldn't name them. That goes to kind of what I was thinking with like even in that 2017 season. The I remember the 2016 personalities so much. Juju, Adori, like yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Big, Even Michael Hutchings, like yeah. Um, and you're right. This is the first time I'm really feeling that again. Just these big personalities who, like, you're gonna, it's gonna be hard to keep your eyes off them every week. Yeah, I, I want to go back to what Keeley said about the red flag of if things are close in the fourth quarter. I'm of the mindset that this is going to be a difficult year to evaluate, not just week one, but a difficult year because you've got so many dudes who are new on this team. We've never, I mean, Bill Connolly has talked about it with the SP plus stuff that I think SC is like 46 or something. Mm -hmm. And pr projected seven and five. Yeah. And that's because you with have a to, caveat. you have to yeah. understand how that, what that ranking does. That ranking includes recruiting includes last year. So much of it is based on last year. And so it's not designed remember to truly. Yeah, <laughs> I I think a lot of people don't want to remember no. last year. I, I don't want to, no. but I do. Yeah, uh, but like that ranking is not designed to rank a team like USC this year, which is going to make it difficult because we've always talked about SP Plus as being a sort of neutralizer. Um, but the reality is, it's not going to be for USC because it wasn't designed to look at a team that has this much turnover and all of this. And I think that a being in a in a fourth quarter battle in week one of a new head coach should not be a red flag um, because you hire Lincoln Riley based on what he's going to do in his tenure, not what he's going to do in week one. However, when you're USC coming off of the Clay Helton stuff and you've been burned so many times 
and you remember the, the Western Michigan game, no one remembers that SC won that game by three scores. People remember that it was a dogfight in the fourth quarter, right? Like, those are the things that are ingrained in people's minds where it does create that weird thing where it feels like SC has to beat Rice by 40 points and SC has to beat Stanford decisively and can't look, can't make Fresno State look like a good G5 team. And I think that's going to be so weird because I think that those are somewhat, uh, you know, unrealistic expectations, but that's just where things are, right? I I would only push back a little in that I think maybe not general public. I'll I'll separate a little between general public and like reasonable SC fans. Sure. I I think when you get to like, or maybe not general public, but like insane USC fans and more reasonable. But like, I think once you're getting to Fresno State, Oregon State, I think people are more okay with those being dogfights. Right. I, I think the baggage, the baggage combined with how much better our team should be uh, of Rice and Stanford are what make those need to be decisive. But but I also think it, this is why the onus needs to be on the eye test and not in the number of wins this year. Because yes. you can be in a dogfight and visually look like a considerably better team, right? Like like I said, you look back at that Western Michigan game, SC won that game by like, what, 18 points? 49-31, I think? And, I will... and yet, that was not a good 49 points that SC scored in that game, right? Like, so much of this is going to come down to the eye test. SC could win a game against Stanford by a touchdown that looks like they dominated them. Certainly. Who knows? Yeah, but that's why the evaluation is so different for me between Rice and, like, Stanford, Fresno State. Rice right. is not a good team. Western Michigan that year was not a great team either, but, like, they were coming off they a really strong off the season. Bowl. They had yeah. some interesting players. Rice is Rice is a doormat, and they have been a doormat for several years. Like, USD needs to treat them like a doormat. Even if you're dealing with growing pains, the pure talent that USC has on offense should put up 60 points. This... Rice gave up 36.2 points per game last year. Like, yeah, just just roll, please. Please, God. <laughs> but that is the weird thing, even rolling into week two. Not that we need to just try to make it a preview thing, though. Like, but Stanford, we should roll Stanford. That's too. true. Yeah. <laughs> In a different way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Stanford was I, I keep saying Stanford was three and nine or four and eight last year because I haven't looked it up because I don't think it matters. It does. They were they were like they were not a good team. Uh, they were three they, and nine, and their wins were against USC and Oregon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is which is wild, amazing, just wild to think. Yeah. Uh, this this but is that's why, why David Shaw dangerous. gets gets ranked high on those coaching lists because he can pull out a game in which he looks like a genius. Yeah, and and that's why I keep calling I keep calling Stanford the the upset special because Stanford can be a bad team and still beat a USC like yes. a USC. They they do that every year. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, okay, let let's turn the page here and talk about. Uh, promising things that that we expect to come from this team. Uh, Keely, what's something promising on defense? A lot of changes over there. Uh, we know that new defensive coordinator Alex Grinch uh, stepping in for uh, Tyler Orlando, who just completely fell off a cliff in year two after year one, which was pretty good. Uh, I mean, two years ago, the last time we the last time we did this uh, roundtable. SC did not lose a regular season game. Just letting you know. <laughs> um, but the defense, what's what's the most promising aspect of the defense? I think that the corners, you know, you remember that class where it was like, wow, USC ha like just got a, a, a Costco size of, of corners. 
in this class. And you were like, okay, I wonder how this shakes out. This is the first season where I've seen they've kind of separated themselves where I go, okay, this guy has taken a step forward. This guy has to work on this, but you know, it's, it's instead of being like, these are really young guys who everyone across the board needs work and experience. You're starting to see those flashes from those guys. And so I think that's been really interesting. I think also the continuity of Dante Williams in that group helps that too, but also just like guys like Eric Gentry, like what in the world is a six, six inside linebacker who still is yeah. somehow physical, you know, or a, a Tuli Tui Pelotu who's in year three now it's, it's, a lot of that is really interesting to just see those flashes. And, you know, I across the board, it's it's really interesting to me to see what just a new coaching staff does with guys that we've all seen play. And like we've kind of seen what like under a certain staff their ceiling is and like what does a new staff do with these guys? And, and it's interesting to see the growth in certain areas and the defense, certain pockets of the defense. I've seen guys take a step and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So again, we got to see my whole caveat to all this is they got to play games, but that's kind yeah. of my general observation. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I, I am so excited to see what the, what the defense can be. Cause the, I feel like the expectations are definitely different than what the expectations are on offense. Right. Kenny, like it's, it's a different, yeah different well i mean situation. the defense last year is what really made it frustrating to watch games more not that the offense wasn't frustrating too but but the fact that the defense didn't stop anything is what made everything into a blowout last year which was it was brutal yeah. um they have nowhere to go but up uh but that they're the wild card that everyone who is looking for reasons to discount usc is pointing to but i feel like if you're in that room that's got to be big inspiration to prove them wrong. I will say like, this is just a me observation. It's not like I've been told this, but I, it does feel like there is recognition that there is doubt, if you will. And it feels like there's this automatic chip on their shoulder. You know, I think also because on paper, when you just look at USC's offense, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, the potential. And I think the fact that the defense is not being talked about in that same tone, I think there is some awareness that like, we also have to perform at a certain level as well. You know, I think it just seems like there's this natural chip on their shoulder. Well, and that's something like, that's the kind of thing you want from a defense, right? Like you want a defense to come in with an edge and maybe if that gives them that edge, then that'll be great. The thing I'm looking for is Alex Grinch to sort of prove that he is a good defensive coordinator by yeah. taking the limitations that he has and sort of working with them because that's one of the things that will be the big challenge. I saw some quotes from him um, on 24-7 Sports today uh, about like being kind of forthright and honest about how when they were bringing in transfers, they really couldn't be picky. They just they needed to fill the fill spots and. Um, and that they're, they do need to get a lot better and they do need to sort of close the gap between the top guys and the bottom guys. And I appreciate that honesty from him. I think it's telling that this roster is incomplete the way that the, that the, the coaches are looking at it. But my hope is that the coaches look at it and say, you know what? We have not a very large gap between our top guys and our bottom guys so maybe we're going to rotate a ton so that every time someone's out there they're going to be fresh or maybe they're just going to look at it and say we're only going to we're only going to rely on the top guys we're only going to play 11 guys at a time and those guys are going to be 2013 ed orgeron defensed 
to the max where they only have 11 guys that they trust and those are the only guys that play and they're fine. Like they could they could go a lot of different routes with this, but you need to sort of find the balance and the combinations to deal with the limitations that you have and the skill that Alex Grinch brings to the table is is going to be what we're going to judge him on because we know he doesn't have as many resources in terms of pure unabated talent as the offensive side of the ball has. He's going to have to maximize literally every little thing he can get from every player in that too deep. Um, And if he does that, then the Stevens will be fine. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's the, I think the offense being as put together as we expect them to be, which we'll talk about in a minute here, um, might give the defense some, some time to kind of mold. I think it's a good thing that they have the chip on their shoulder. Like, they should. They they should absolutely want to be, uh, you know, a big focal point of this team. Um, but maybe it's going to be a good thing that that gives them some time. Hey, you know, we we talked. We spent years talking about how like being Big Twelve bad would not be a problem, and part of that was, listen, defense, just just do do what you can. Like, don't act like you need to go out there and limit guys to ten to ten points. Like, that's fine if you give up a touchdown. It's not a problem. Your your job is just to limit a team to 24 points and we'll be very very happy with that. Um if if that's the mindset, the the frustration last year like Kenny pointed out was felt like they gave up after like two drives. Yeah. It was just like, okay, well, we're outmatched, we're done. And like that's the like that's what I I I'm talking about eye test. Just I just don't want to see them give up. If they genuinely give up a, a a big touchdown, you know, give up 20 points, whatever, and the effort is still there, I do not care. But if we see them just get their heads down and act like, well, we're done, and then... I I can't imagine that's going to be the it thing. Can't, it know. can't possibly. Not with a new coaching staff, not with a new era, not with the vibe. Not with this the many new guys. So not with the leadership that we've seen. Like, yeah. th- that is the biggest turnover there. And um, that's, I think, why there's reason to look at the defense and think, they're going to get better, and that's all that really needs to happen. They don't need to be elite, and that's fine. So change your mindset, and it'll sort of hold. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the offense here. Uh, the most promising aspect of the offense is the offense, right? Like yeah. I, I, I don't think that needs to – it's not a secret. They, Caleb Williams is here at quarterback. Uh, SC has gotten the Bolitnikoff winner, uh, Jordan Addison from Pitts. They bring back the best offensive lineman in the Pac-12. Uh, they have the Pac-12 current all-purpose yards uh, leader in Travis Dye at running back. There's a million reasons to feel good about this offense. Uh, Kenny, you, what's... You, like, forget almost every time. You're like, oh, and that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Austin Jones. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, you know, Taj Washington was someone they brought in last year and expected to to be a big player and he had 54 catches last year. It's easy to forget that he's there. Easy easy to forget that Mario Williams came along with Caleb Williams because Jordan Addison came over afterwards. So you put this all together and Kenny, I'll I'll have you answer the, what is the most promising aspect on offense question, which is probably the easiest question of all time. Uh, well, see, for me, like, I feel like I want to do a more indie pick because the obvious one is to say like Jordan Addison. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. I, I I love that we took Travis Dye from Oregon. Yes, but we we got him from a conference rival, and I'm very excited to see the, this running game under a Lincoln Riley offense. 
Yeah, and it's an Oklahoma style running game, which we've yeah. talked about for years. You can run in a very pass heavy um offense or or spread out the, the wide NFL has, air raid. Uh, some Oklahoma yeah. some Oklahoma running backs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's a ton of them. Uh and so that's easy. We can we talk about the the positive things. What are the concerns uh, on 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 Alicia, um, what, what Jump do, what in with one more just big positive aside just Lincoln Riley is calling plays. It's that yeah, simple. Yeah. Lincoln yeah. Riley is yeah. calling plays. Right. Yeah. And and I I the sorry, the word I use is whack-a-mole, like just <laughs> assessing on yeah. paper like the talent. Like how, like okay, choose how you're going to defend this. And yes. then okay, you might have a coverage sack. Oh wait, Caleb Williams can run. Right. You yeah. know, it's just like <laughs> it's, I mean, remember yeah, just think about running quarterback, like a du- literal dual threat quarterback. <laughs> Like, that's yeah, the thing just, is like the my big Caleb Williams memory. I mean, the two I can think of were the Red Red River shootout showdown, whatever it's called now. Obviously, yeah. the comeback in that. Yes. And then the other thing, it's a bowl game. I know it doesn't count, but remember him torching Oregon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. And then I think that's the when the rumors kind of started Oklahoma that State. like he might be heading here. And yeah, it, yeah, and that's just the quarterback. Yeah, and we're just surface leveling. <laughs> Very, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. There's a million reasons to feel good about this team on offense, and th- this isn't me like fast forwarding through those. We have quick hitter questions I want to get to at the end when we talk about the offense more. Uh, but what is the biggest concern on offense? Because I think that that is more of a talking point in the sense of what are the areas that needs to be, you know, put emphasis on on the concerning side. Ken- Kenny, for you, what 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 is it? Well. I feel like there's a misconception that's close to the truth, but that isn't. And the misconception is that it is the offensive line, which I don't think is correct. I think the starting offensive line is in a really great spot. It's the depth of offensive line yeah. that yep. is the concern. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say that too. I, I think it's just the, you're, you're fine with who they have right now first team. And then, if an injury happens, God forbid, you're then you're wondering, okay, how do you what do you do with this now? You know, and I do think some guys have made some progress. I know Lincoln Riley mentioned Mason Murphy. He's a guy who just seems like he's become more comfortable in himself in the team. You know, he's a guy who like when there's off moments, he's dancing or like joking with Josh Henson. But um, so he's made some steps. But yeah, I, the depth is, okay, what do you do when now your hands are tied a little bit with who you're who you're placing out there keely i'm glad you mentioned josh henson because one of the burning questions i have for you is how do you get them right coach henson and coach hansen <laughs> well the recruiting director i don't know i i'm so bad with titles even my own annie hansen um so i like talked to her quite a bit so she's a hansen she's married to a hansen and then i try and just think offensive line Henson, you know, it's a, you, you get used to it at a certain point. I like point. that line ends in an E. Yeah. And Henson yeah. has the E. Well, this is like the 1999, I want to say, defensive line had Ryan Nielsen and Ennis Davis. Nielsen wore 90 and Ennis Davis wore 99. The reason my dad knew their numbers, Ennis Davis has two N's, so 99. <laughs> Ryan Nielsen oh. has one. Or well, it does have two ends, but it's one at the beginning, so it must <laughs> just be one nine for ninety. So I I respect it. I dig it. Um, Alicia, we talked about in our 
roster preview about the about the offensive line. Do you, you you're right there with with Kenny about the the depth being the the biggest concern? Yeah, I'm totally there on the offensive line. The depth is clearly the biggest concern on this offense. Um, other sort of under the radar ones, you know, you obviously can look at the quarterbacks and if Caleb Williams goes down. You might feel okay about Miller Moss starting, but you—if Miller Moss goes down after that, you're, you're, you literally are in trouble. Um, the running back depth is 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 not super great. Uh, I I feel very good about the four that are there, but I've seen enough running back injuries to know that there's only so many bodies in there that you can carry. But I'm gonna highlight one thing that I think is like doomsday scenario, Alicia, Uh-oh. and that is we, is, <laughs> oh, we know. We know that Jordan Addison is outstanding. But everyone else in that wide receiver room is pure, is like potential. Like there is, Gary Bryan Jr. has production in his past, but still not sure where his ceiling is at at this point. Like, I think there's a scenario where the injuries in the wide receiver room starts to take its toll. In a way that I think that you wouldn't guess because this receiver room on paper looks so strong. But at the same time, it's not like um, I, I know I'm grasping at straws, you're, but you're, like you're reaching. Hard. We're, we're depending a lot on Brendan <laughs> Rice being more than the 300 wide receiver, 300 yard wide receiver that he was at Colorado. We're depending on Terrell Bynum being more than the 300 wide, 300 yard wide receiver he was at Washington. We're depending on Kyle Ford being healthy. Uh, We're depending on, you know, uh, guys coming through that are a lot less proven than what USC has had in the wide receiver room in the past. So I don't think this is an actual problem, but it's also something to, like, keep in mind that that room is a little bit less certain in my mind than it is to a lot of people. I I think you're talking about this receiving core as if it's, 2007 yes which had patrick turner vidal hazelton i mean I uh, remem- the original rojo i remember david going osbury into that- all these guys who had potential yeah but there's one big difference a well jordan addison is a, a big jordan difference. addison is there but the the biggest one to me is the number of guys around like i just pulled up the the 07 roster you had turner hazelton johnson osbury uh trayvon patterson uh, and that was it those are what five guys, and you look at this team. They got Terrell Bynum, JJ Three, Kyle Ford, Taj Washington, yeah, but is- Gary Bryant Jr., Brendan Rice, Michael Jackson the Third, Mario Williams, Kyron Hudson, CJ Williams. There's like 88 guys right there. Yeah, more. The odds are three or four of them will just be at least good enough to 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 be productive. So my I don't think worry, this is the problem at all. My worry is simply that there is a universe where like that group is no better than like that the best of them is no better than sort of the Brandon Carswells of the world. Like this is this is the darkest time. This is the darkest I'm not trying this is uh, okay. this is seeking out this is like <laughs> pure uh, Alicia has the goatee the evil goatee. I mean it's it's fair. I I did I did say that like this is a deep cut in terms of concerns that you know, wind their sit well themselves around my head before I go to sleep at night. Like, but by the way, the 2007 um, receiving core, um, even though they didn't have a star, they were pretty damn good. And they also had a great tight end in yeah. uh, Fred Davis. There you so, go. Yeah, Keely, you got Can any I thoughts? just 
jump in with like the I don't know what the anecdote to doomsday is tell me this is this is I feel like this is the phrase I'm about to say is gonna make sense to certain people and maybe not and I don't mean any disrespect with it either Uh but the thing that kept popping in my head just watching practices is this reminds me of a T Martin position room you know what I mean like where at a certain level you were like oh this is just loaded like you know what you know what I mean where it was just like this there was this graduation of like okay Marquise Lee or Robert Ward's Marquise Lee Juju like you know what I mean like it just felt like there was this solid continuation of talent and developed talent and that's key yeah that's what has it's that's what's kind of been reminiscent for me is, is like oh okay this is the the wide receiver room USC fans knew years past, you know, that's kind of what I've seen. And also just getting more out of guys. I mean, I talked about it in one of my interviews with Taj Washington. It was just talking about like showcasing your speed rather than going for a jump ball inexplicably, you know, like unexplained. I can't say the word at this point, but you know what I mean? Like it was utilizing the talent and recognizing what their strengths are. I think that's a big difference as well. And in a scheme where you're getting more help as a wide receiver, you know what I mean? Like you're not fighting for your own or fighting to get the ball and just hoping that you come down with it, you know? See, you, you've completely talked me off the ledge because like, that's exactly (laughs) what I want to hear when I think about what can Gary Bryant jr. Do in an offense. Like I, I almost relate Gary Bryant Jr. to like Bayless Jones a lot in the sense of like this guy has was it the number one that did it for him? This number one, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's something about like this guy has like a t- like a talent to him that like it never felt like USC took advantage of Bayless Jones's speed. They didn't ask him to like burn a defense ever. And I don't know that Gary Bryant Jr. has ever been allowed to or put in a position where it's like okay, you're going to go out there and like use your speed and be the, you know, we're going to put you in a position that's going to benefit your talent or your skill set the most. And so when I think about like Gary Bryant Jr. coming in this year, I think like, well, is he any better than what he's been the last two years? And the real answer is probably yes. He probably is better than, you know, the career high 500 yards that he that he had this past season. If you have him in a scheme that's run by Lincoln Riley. So again, I go back to, it's Lincoln Riley calling plays, and that's why yeah. everyone should be competent here. Yeah, L- Lincoln Riley gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And uh, whereas I think last year he wouldn't have been given Clay Elton the benefit of the doubt mm. or the, the Clay Elton coaching staff, at least not since T. Martin had left uh, or since T. Martin had been the wide receivers coach. Yeah. Like strictly just the wide receivers coach back when it was, you know, 2010, 11, 12, all those, all those years. Um, let's go to some quick hit questions. So rapid fire, we'll bounce this around and then we'll get some mail back and wrap this thing up. Uh, rapid fire. We'll go around the horn. Which incoming transfer are you looking forward to most? Kenny? Jordan Addison is the easy answer, but so I'll say it. All right. Keely. Oh no. Um, Shane Lee. Okay. It's a good, good pull. Or Eric Gentry. I'm going to go with both. <laughs> you can go with Eric Gentry because I'm going to say Shane Lee. So, okay, there, there you go. go. 
I mean, if you guys are going to leave me Caleb Williams, I will take <laughs> yeah. Caleb Williams. <laughs> like, and no one picks bomb. Travis Dye. Yeah. I picked him earlier, so yeah. It's almost like the question has an implied which transfer are you most looking forward to aside from Caleb Williams? Like, no, that, that's that's fair. Um, okay, what returning player has the biggest opportunity to shine, Alicia? Um. Oh, shoot. Um. Probably Tuli Tupelotu. Okay. That's what I was I, I just think, oh, Kalen Bullock. Let's go with Kalen Bullock. Okay. Well, t- two two answers. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm cheating. Kenny, Kenny, you got. I I was going to go with Tui. So I'll, I'll use that if Elise wants to. Yeah, I'll go, go Kalen Bullock. You can go Tuli. <laughs> we can share the wall. All right, Keely. I would, okay, I'm going to have offense and defense. I'm go going to steal uh, Alicia's. Definitely Kalen Bullock. I will say, just a side note, because I haven't been able to say this on any platform yet. Um, remember when Kalen first came in, we kind of made comps to him, to Marvell Tell. Mm-hmm. And now he's in the number seven. And there are some times where you're like, huh, I can I can see it even more. So anyway, <laughs> side note, I think he's gotten more comfortable, too. Um, and then this might be a random one on offense. Lake McCree. Love I it. think he's a guy Ooh. who has developed and really gotten comfortable at the college level. And I think he's also taken advantage of the reps he's seen because like the, the health of the tight end position has fluctuated so much, but he's just like a super physical dude, um, but also can come down with the ball. And so, and there's times when, you know, everyone's looking out for the Mario and the, the pass to, to Jordan. And then all of a sudden it's like, boop, tight end. And you're like, Oh, okay. So it's, it, I think he benefits as well from the scheme. The scheme is very beneficial to everyone on the, on the offense. This is getting me hype. Now I'm really hype. I was hype before. I'm sorry. I well, now I'm max, max levels. Now I'm max levels, tight end hype. Uh, Alicia is Lake McCree. The, the new, like official reign of Troy, like hype player this year. I think it might be. He might be. Might be. He might be. In terms of certainly, we've talked in terms about of, him in like two or three straight episodes. We really have, and I'm and gonna now keep Keely talking is about just him. like laying the foundation here. Love it. Just absolutely <laughs> yeah. love it. Um, my my pull here uh, that I I think I think Taj Washington. I think they'll be able to utilize him um, well for all the reasons Keely mentioned before, but also because I think he's someone who is easy to forget mm-hmm. because of the names that they that they brought in. Um, I think Taj Washington was solid last year, and sometimes solid isn't, uh, you know, lacks a little bit of wow factor. I think he only had one touchdown last year, but like, let, let's see what he does. There's there's going to be a lot of passes in this offense. The ball's going to have to go around uh, to somebody. I think Taj Washington could could benefit quite a bit. And then uh, I want to see what on the defensive line, uh, what someone like. Um, uh Brandon Peely can do. I mentioned it in our in our in our uh podcast before the roster pod. I just I maybe I'm holding out too much hope because like I still believe when he got signed all the hype about him dunking basketballs and all that. I wanna see it all come to fruition. This is the the final season for Peely. We'll see what happens uh with him. Uh bigger Heisman candidate though. Caleb Williams or Jordan Addison? Keely, who you got? Uh, I'm going to say Caleb Williams just because I'm always the quarterback is easier to win the Heisman. Sure. Yeah. That's what I would say too. Caleb Williams seems like the front man if this were a band. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> is Jordan Addison on 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 uh, guitar? guitar yeah. or Jordan Jordan Addison oh, is guitar. lead guitarist. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. solo. Who's the bassist? Yeah. Who's Travis Dye? He's a forgotten one. Oh, he's no, actually no, really drum. important. Who's on, he's on the drums. Uh, Travis on the drums. Okay, yeah. And, but it, like, he's on like one of those like drum sets that's up in the air. Yeah, like how Travis Barker. Is. <laughs> yeah. So so then who's on bass or keyboard? Who's, who's bass? Andrew Voorhees. Oh, I, I thought that fits in my Voorhees brain. Voorhees could for be some like reason. a saxophone type guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're drawing this what analogy kind of out. Is this? Way too. Yeah. yeah. The fact of the matter is, Caleb Williams is the quarterback, and if Jordan Addison is putting up numbers. To get him to New York, Caleb Williams is going to be right there with him. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, Caleb Williams. It's easy to pick a quarterback over a receiver. Uh, not since what uh, Demonte from um, Alabama the other day, mm-hmm. the, the other year, okay, the COVID season. Um, all right, if we assume that Addison leads in receiving and Die leads in rushing, let's just assume those two things. Who will be number two in rushing and number two in receiving? Kenny. Oh man! Uh, again, we have just so many weapons to work with. Uh, number two in receiving. I feel like the hype has like just kind of gone away just because of who else he brought in. But I like the Mario Williams connection there. Um, I like the Caleb Williams to Mario Williams collect uh, connection. I think I said collection earlier. Uh, um, uh, Plus, it's good that they gave him number four because he's one. Ahead of Reggie Bush again. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mario Williams, of <laughs> um, course, number one pick in the uh, 2006 NFL draft. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, I don't know, who, who are you thinking for rushing behind die? I I don't know, I think for, for me, I think that's a, it could be any one of Jones, Barlow, or Relique Brown. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, I could I could see the, I, okay, you know what the, the honest to God answer is, whoever stays healthy of the three? Mm-hmm. That's um, a good point. But I think it could be either one. I don't know. This is why I'm asking you guys. Keely, do, do you have any sense of, of, of these? Receiving, I think if you want to bank off of the Caleb-Mario connection, I would say Mario. If I, just out of my gut, I'm going to say Taj Washington. Okay. Rushing, that's a really interesting group across the board because I think they all provide something valuable. And I, I have seen Darwin Barlow take a step forward. That was something that I was talking with Kyle McDonald about um, earlier this week. And so that, that whole dynamic is really interesting. I don't know what's going to happen there. And I also just don't have a sense of how Kyle McDonald is going to run that rotation. Like, do you have a guy like just you're getting multiple drives or, you yeah. know, I, I, I we got to see how that plays out, but I will say, Relique Brown is exciting. <laughs> I don't know how much more I can say, but That's he is exciting. <laughs> that, yes. that, that gives me confidence to make my pick that uh, the asterisk being, if he remains healthy, <laughs> that uh, I would go with Relique Brown just because I think there's a universe where he eats in the early games in garbage time. Sure. And then by the second half of the season, he starts to get more of a role, and that's where he actually gets his yeah. uh, his his sort of production in. So I think that would be really fun if if it's him. I agree that Darwin Barlow is sort of flying under the radar, but um, I think we have a tendency to like assume that Austin Jones will be the guy because he's new, as opposed to Darwin Barlow, who we saw could be productive when he when he got carries. So 
I would say Brown also has the advantage of being a pass catcher mm-hmm. uh, and could be involved. Like, hey, if this, we're talking if about this rushing, was, though. The, the, those was, yards don't count, bro. No, I know. But if, if this was <laughs> yards from scrimmage mm. um, oh, out yeah, of the backfield, I think that Brown could have an edge there for sure. All right. Sacks and interceptions. Who leads in sacks and who leads in interceptions, Kenny? I like Nick Figueroa. Okay. Um, as far as interceptions, um, let me think. Um, you know what? I'll say I kind of want to say like Prophet Brown, but okay. I I I could I could foresee it because it's Prophet Brown. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> <That's... laughs> Keely, who you got? Sacks. This is a cop out. I'm gonna say Thule. I okay. think that's just mm-hmm. you know. Interceptions. I'm gonna go with Kalen. I know I've said his name before, but you know, I just think in his role as a safety and just his comfortability and how he's played lately, I would say Kalen. Yeah, I too am going to go with Kalen, and it's purely because he's the only one that I feel very, very confident will be on the field for pretty much every defensive snap of note. So everyone else, I just don't know how much time they'll like. Is it Mackay or is it Mecky? I feel like I'm. Mackay. It's Mackay. Mackay. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mackay Blackman. Mackay Blackman too. Yeah, Mackay Blackman. I I feel good about him seeing a lot of time, but like everybody else. It it's a crapshoot. So Kalen Bullock's the safe choice there. Sacks, uh, <laughs> Thule, I guess. I don't know. Again, who is who is on the field the most often? Maybe if Romello Height is that guy, I think it's going to be a great season. That's all I'm. That's if, all I'm if saying. If it's yeah, if it's Romello, I think that's a huge. Or if win it's Corey Foreman, like if it's yeah. the if the rush end leads USC in sacks, then things have gone well. Yeah, I, I still hold out for Solomon Bird. I'm team Solomon Bird. Hmm. Uh, so we'll see where it goes with there on, on Saxon. I think, yeah, for for picks, I'll, I'll put me in the Max Williams ca- category. I don't know. Maybe oh, that's, that's a good pick. No but, pun intended. Uh, I'll, I'll go there. Um, okay, mailbag questions. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've got mail. I'll start with a question that will throw Kenny's way from our friend L.A. Fred. Will USC be the host of a college game day or Fox pregame show this season? Maybe the Notre Dame game? Question mark. So I, I would say, I'll answer this two ways. Will US, there's one way more likely. Will USC be in a college game day? I think yes. And the one to circle for that is at Utah. U, USC yeah. at Utah, game six or seven, about midway through the season. People are expecting both teams to be, go, I think both teams will be favored in every game prior to that game. And then if they are both undefeated, that will certainly be two top 10 teams in that game. And I think that would definitely get college game day. As for home games, I think you're waiting for Notre Dame is the only option. And and for that weekend, when it's, it's rivalry not a good weekend, one. Yeah. It could you, go anywhere. they would need to be like both playoff contenders. Yeah. Or if they could go off the board and go to like... Lehigh Lafayette or something like that. So well, they yeah. they you need Michigan and or Ohio State to not be that good, like to to sort of fall down. Yeah, for, because that's for the, sure. that's where they're going to go if um if that's a big game or Alabama Auburn if it's at all. I mean, mm-hmm. like, there's so yeah. many rivalry games that weekend that you you I think you both need to. I think one of you is, I think you're both playoff contenders, and one of you will be eliminated from the playoff. Is the only way we would get that game day. Yeah, the other thing is with the Utah game, I think that that's a certainty at this point. I will go out and limit Feels and say like you, can, it. you can wrap it up. So I pulled up the schedule really quick. Uh, the only ranked games that are between two ranked opponents as it stands now with the preseason polls uh, is SC and Utah. And nothing yeah, wow. else looks interesting. I mean, Penn State, Michigan, maybe, I guess. The the reason we w- wouldn't have that game is because us or Utah messed up. Yeah, one of those teams has three losses. Yeah, I think would would be the reason not to have it. But as of now, I think yeah, I, I think game day's probably already got it circled and sent over their requirements of where they're going to put the tent and the whole bit. Yeah. Um, so let's go to a question from Marcelo. Uh, who is the Buck Allen of this team? The player previously buried on the depth chart who actually gets a chance to shine. Um, of course, this is a reference to 2013 when SC made the change from Lane Kiffin uh, to Ed Ogeron, who was the interim head coach. Out of nowhere, this guy named Javoris Buck Allen um, got an opportunity and was incredible. Um, Keely, who, who's the person who, who could be the, the one who maybe didn't have uh, a lot of playing time before but could now? Okay, I've been really thinking about this. And the first name that actually popped into my head was Julian Simon. I that's like that. someone love it. That's yeah. someone who, you know, it was one of those things throughout camp. You're like, okay, 24. Huh? Okay. You know, and, and I don't actually know what that will turn into, but he's someone who I recognize more than I've recognized throughout practice. That, Meaning like he, he, he's not someone that I, I really had to like write down on notes prior to this staff coming in and now i'm like huh okay 
there there goes a play. There goes a rep he won, you know? So that's someone I think I would I would mark as as the Buck Allen nominee. Can I give a hot take on Julian Simon? Go for it. Sure. His biggest mistake was picking was taking twenty four as his number. Like it's not a good it's not a linebacker number. Like it's not he's gotta get that changed ASAP. It's it just when I, when you see him on the field, like it looks like he's like a nickel. Like I think I'm seeing a nickel, or I think I'm seeing a not linebacker out there wearing number twenty four. It's yeah. dumb, but I don't like the number at all. He he deserves a better linebacker number than that. Yeah, Fabian he, he, Ross at twenty six also doesn't sit right in my head. Yeah, yeah, not a good uh, twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, not a wide receiver number unless you're a walk on who's like five six. <laughs> Uh, all right, last question from our pal Evan. Uh, Alicia, is is Brandon Peely likely not starting a sign of a sign that hope is lost for his breakout at USC? I'm still ho- holding out hope. I, 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 I'm still on the Peely bandwagon. I mean, he falls into the category of the Solomon Tulia Poopoos and the Josh Follows and stuff where it's like, I will believe that he's got a bigger role to play on this team when I see it. Not necessarily, like, it's no slight against those guys. It's just, like, I've been burned three years now. <laughs> not going to get burned again. I'm not going to put my faith in this being a big thing. So, um, I mean, ideally, you'd have him starting if you were talking, like, if you're going to tell me that, like, the veteran sort of redshirt right? red senior with his measurements and his athleticism, yes. Like, I would ideally have him be starting, but... You know, I, I think Evan is getting down to the point with like this question where, you know, the fact that it doesn't sound like he's in line to start might say something about where he's at. So, yeah, we, we will see how that all comes to be uh, as he opens the season next Saturday, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific at the Coliseum. Lock and when, horns. When is this pod? When does this pod drop? The, I think we're going to put this out Friday. I, th- I think we'll. we'll okay. It, so. Yeah. The next, the day after you're listening to this, there'll be college football on your TV. Yes, it'll be week zero, like really exciting stuff. Uh, I'm so excited. There's nothing quite like week zero to make really bad matchups sound super appealing. If you look at the lineup (laughs) of games on Saturday. I would not watch these games normally. Under no circumstances would these be the games that I would choose to watch. And yet on Saturday, I am going going to to be glued to the TV. Next year, I see plays in week zero. I'm going to love that. Good times. Right. That's crazy. Th- that's, okay. Can I just say, fun. if you told any of us what we just talked about back to our 2020 selves, like what would be our reaction? <laughs> 2020 does not even feel like, say. It feels like several years ago. I mean, it was, it was I mean, two, it was, but, <laughs> but it feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> if if 2020 Alicia found out that Lincoln Riley was the head coach of USC, I, I don't know that um, I would believe any word out of future Alicia's mouth. I think we'd all just collectively pass out. Jeez, that yeah, would be that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it okay, okay there's happened. a collective it's hallucination still... <laughs> in Los Angeles. Good job, everybody. It's, it's still hard to believe. I feel like I won't believe it until... Until we see it kicking Ooh. off against Rice. But, but, but hold on, I want to ask the question to oh, to our guest here. I, I did, are you going to ask what I wrote down on on my piece of paper? Uh, I don't know what you wrote down on your hold piece on, of paper. Let me, let, me show the... you. let me show you. Is it this? Yes, it's exactly that. Yes, we are on the wow. same wavelength. Okay, it's almost Telepo. like we're married. Aww. Aww. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. No, you, you take it away. Oh, okay. Okay. Lincoln Riley has a huge decision. 
coming up in just over a week. Is he a cap guy or a visor guy on the USC sideline? Oh, uh, come on. Well, what's what's the inside scoop? The yeah, we need some, this is the biggest oh, okay. scoop that Keely could drop on, on this podcast. Yeah. Cap or visor? Okay, so I have been informed. See, I'm no longer uh, able to see the peristyle. Ryan was like, yeah, you'll be calmed. I'm not calmed. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Also, fun fact, just so everyone knows that there's no beef, uh, I can't go on any of their podcasts or shows because that would be considered a violation in the eyes of compliance. So <laughs> so that's the the separation there. But apparently on the parasite, there's this heated debate whenever Lincoln wears a hat. Um, he's a man who doesn't want a sunburn, and I have to respect that. As someone who's gotten many a scalp burn, especially in fall camp, I respect the the cap decision. I will say though, I feel like there is something different between practice and a game, and like you kind of have to channel the visor if that's your thing. But the three p.m. ninety five degrees, like that's just gross too. Uh, this has yeah. just been an ind- indecisive spiral for me. But <laughs> I think you're gonna have to do the visor. Like, yeah, how could you not make your Coliseum debut with the with with it's a the hat? debut? But I mean, yeah. let's remember. I mean, Kiffin, when he went up to Eugene, he went with the beanie. Yeah, it's true. But that's like still weather dependent, Mm -hmm. you know? It it was. And the visor was already so established. So there was like, oh, a different Kiffin. I just was like, when a new action figure comes out. When someone get a bucket bucket cap. Yeah. Have have we seen a head coach with a bucket cap? They, They... Coaches wear bucket caps all the time. Yeah, at fall camp. Yeah, and and in the game, in games, not in a game. Why not? Yeah, Mm. Nike makes one. I just hope. I just hope that the the shirt pant combo that they have him in that Nike decides is going to be the shirt that he's going to wear this year is 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 a sort of not weird one with weird stripes down weird areas and. You know what's my hope? My hope is that. We can actually like focus on football this season and not have to debate like, oh, that shirt was ugly. You know what I mean? Like, like, I just hope it can be like, huh, football's fun. You know, but but I do feel like the visor, the visor is a crucial step towards that. Yes, fair. That's fair. Hey, I'm I'm trying to be hopeful here. I know, I know that, I know that we're saying cap or visor. No cap. No cap. I, shout out to all the Gen Zs out there. I would appreciate Lincoln keeping us on our toes. I would like that too. And if it was a different look every doing game. Doing a different thing every game. I would like that too. Huh. You know? My roommate has like a, a theory that the cap versus visor is like an omen on the offense. So we'll see how that works. I, I have no idea. We'll see. See, but that's that's kind of what I want. Like I want to yeah, feel like oh he's in the cap today. Intrigue. Like that means mean? something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it it's even like... better if it doesn't. Yes. But but he never lets us know that. <laughs> well, who was like there was like a oct- octopus that could choose the World Cup like <laughs> yes. the It's I feel like it's it's similar to that. Was yeah. it Barry the octopus or something like that? Yeah. Iconic. If, honestly, I Oscar the octopus. I can't remember. Honestly, if I was a coach, I would just literally go home and like have my youngest child go like pick one, and then every time it's like what the youngest kid. Yeah, picks. Were, then you're wearing a bluey then, cap. Yeah, there you go. Hey, I'm on board with it. I stand <laughs> bluey. All right, uh, Alicia for coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it was a pleasure to have you back on the show. Uh, we got to do this again at some point. Um, the 
2022 season starts next week. Uh, we'll be back here on Manitoba Radio on Monday with another live show over on YouTube, giving you our season predictions, walking through every ep- every single game. And so look forward to that. Uh, and then next Wednesday, back over live, 5 p.m. Pacific on YouTube, will be our first game preview episode of the year, USC and Rice. So look forward to those things. Uh, again, thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Keely, for coming on. And uh, Kenny, you can find him over on Twitter at KennethMartin7 on the old Twitters. And Keely is at Keely is my name on Twitter uh, and doing the, what is the the sponsor that you have to read? Uh, update. Smart Stop Self Storage, which I feel like is <laughs> nice. a conspiracy against me. You know, <laughs> the tongue tie, the, the twister, yeah. it always gets me. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, it was a good time, and we'll see you next time. Till then, see ya. See ya. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.